Hi there, and welcome to the Love Eye Media Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph. So on today's show, we talk to the Uber country manager for Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire. Yes, we talk to Marjorie St. Lotte, who is now also going to become the, apparently the country manager for Pakistan, which is kind of a ways off from the African continent. So we talked to her about Uber, her journey, and talked about some other products Uber is launching. So we got the exclusive first. Um, if you're hearing this, you probably have heard the announcement that Uber has launched a deal with Enterprise Ghana for insurance for drivers, which is interesting. So yeah, we talked about that. We talked about you know partnerships in Ghana. We talked about regu- regulation and a bunch of other topics. Uh, I think you'll like this one. Okay, and welcome back. So today we are talking to Marjorie St. Lot. Hi, Marjorie. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing pretty well. How have you been so far since... Are you in Ghana currently or are you in another country? I'm in Ghana. I'm in Ghana, correct, right now, yes. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And how has it been working with Uber so far? I know like last year you were kind of uh, made manager of Uber Ghana. Last year, I believe, 2022? It's it's been two years now, actually. Um, to be honest, I joined the the Ghana Force in November of two thousand and twenty one, and I think yes, it was officially announced in in January of twenty twenty two. But yeah, it's been four years now. It's gonna be four years in November. I've been with Uber. It's been an amazing ride so far, and um, and even like a, a, a couple of weeks ago, I've been given a third country. Um, oh. So I'm also looking after um, on the interim basis on Pakistan. So it's quite far from the region, wow. but there's a lot of similarities um, with our region as well. Wow, that's kind of cool. So, I mean, we know you're, you're also managing Cote d'Ivoire. Is there a similarity between Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana? Oh, they're sister countries. They're sister countries, right? I think the only thing that really truly differs is uh, the um, official or main language, which one being French, the other one being English. But other than that, um, many families have cousins in Ghana, right, along the border. So it's their sister countries. So there's men- multiple similarities, but there are differences. And I think some of the differences are um, linked to probably the the, the colonial culture um, that both mm-hmm. countries, which were different. Nice. I know you came from, I think, the telecom industry. Like you're working for Orange before you moved to Cote d'Ivoire. Is that correct? Well, actually, I worked for Orange within Cote d'Ivoire, and um, I helped them build their external growth strategy across the region, so um, extending into Burkina Faso and Liberia, as well as help them develop new verticals. So I've, I was leading projects like Orange Bank in the region, Orange Energy, Orange Content, um, and whatnot. Okay. And how was that transition going from that industry to basically transportation with Uber? <laughs> I, I, to be honest, it's been a it's been a a fun and relatively smooth transition because, to be honest, we're talking about tech adoption and pushing usage, and this is something I was accustomed to um, within working within Orange. Right, it's talking about you know creating new business models um, that are adapted to the region, and that's also something that I was working on as well in multiple sectors actually with Orange. 
Um, so it, it's just a lot of similarities, even though it appears to be very different. Um, and there was obviously like a learning curve on the mm. hardcore transport and urban mobility. But it wasn't the first time I was falling into urban mobility. I had the opportunity a few years back, which probably won't hide um, how old I am, <laughs> but working in transport with Veolia Transdev in France. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's about like urban mobility in inter interurban mobility. So it wasn't the first time. I've also, when I was like earlier on in my return in Ivory Coast, I've developed um, projects to reinsert ex-combatants in the taxi industry. Um, at the time, we reinserted 5,000 um, people in the taxi industry. So mobilizing resources, building the business model around that. So again, like, I mean, it, it was new, but it wasn't that new. Nice. So you have, so you basically have a lot of experience. So now we're coming that straight to Uber now. So I want to discuss about, you know, Uber and Ghana and basically how it has been since you've been at the helm of it. Like, can you describe what's, what the current, like, basically what has the evolution been for Uber and Ghana since you've taken over? Oh, wow. Okay. Since I've taken over, I think the big thing, um, you know, we've been in the country for seven years and, um, in any stories, there's ups and downs. One, I think one critical matter that really reconciles since I've taken over, it's about consolidating our strength, um, working on some of our weaknesses um, and improving that, and continuing um, leading the space when it comes to safety. Um, and what I mean by consolidating, it's it's really improving the experience, improving the cash card, ex- like cash card or card acceptance, for example. Um, mm-hmm. It's improving the the driver experience as a whole um, from a support perspective um, and even from an Uber Pro perspective or loyalty program um, for drivers. Um, it's also um, accelerating vehicle access. Um, so we saw the launch you know, of Move in the country, but also the acceleration yeah. of, of, of that, um, that project. Um, it's also you know, and, and tapping into, I see some of our weaknesses, creating an Uber comfort product because this, we realized that people needed AC in our vehicles here. And that was, mm-hmm. we need to create a product where you can guarantee, have that guarantee of AC and that guarantee of experience where you can pay by cost and feel fresh from point A to point B. So that came through yeah. with Uber Comfort. Um, so it, it, it was different angles. It's also extending our footprint in the country. So um, we went from just being on the, along the coastline um, between between Accra and Takradi in some sense, and then a bit of Kumasi. Then now we went to segmenting this. So we have Accra business. We we're in Kip, we're in Kipkos, um, we're in Takradi, we're in Kumasi, we're in Sinyani, we're in Tamale. So extending our footprint, we went through the question of how we extend our, our safety um, um, portfolio, and I think there and or improving our driver identification processes. So you know yeah. we were the first one to in the market right hailing to oblige um Ghana card um so it's completely reinforced across the country right now uh which is great from a safety perspective and we need to go further right so maybe i'll stop there okay yeah so i want to touch more about the safety stuff because over the years uber has been rolling out lots of safety features for for the drivers and also the riders as well like for instance, we know that I think this year you brought out the audio recording feature for both drivers yes. and yes. Um, riders. So yeah, so I want to know basically 
how do you get feedback from basically your drivers and your fighters about what safety initiatives to roll out? Do you look at maybe social media? What, like where are you getting the direct feedback from? We look at everything, you know. Um, to be honest, like customer feedback has been shaping the quality of like the ride sharing services that we rolled out in Ghana, specifically for safety, whether it be through um, uh, the the twenty four seven customer support, the driver ratings, um, the safety, like the reporting of safety incidents. That's our internal channels, our, our internal tools to listen to the market, or whether it be through you know what's following what's happening from a social on social networks and in the city as a whole, whether it be with discussions that we're having with you know law enforcement or or roundtables that we're having with with drivers. Every single one of these touch points drives insights and defines the kind of safety products that we need to roll out. So you're right. Like, I mean, our latest one and our latest feature, I'm super happy about this one, is audio recording um, that we've rolled out in all of our cities, allowing a rider and a driver um, to record, you know, what's happening in, in within the vehicle and to ensure that they leverage that recording to settle perhaps disputes um, or to report a, a safety incident, right? Um, and, and I think that's fantastic to be able to use the, the, the technology in that way. Um, we've obviously, like, you know, these audio recording are encrypted. Um, I personally cannot even listen to it myself. Mm. Um, and, and the person that records it cannot actually have access to it anymore. It's completely, encry- uh, completely encrypted. And they can only be um, decrypted by a specific safety team internally um, that will leverage that to assess either a dispute or a, or a safety incident. Obviously, that audio recording needs to be linked to the um, to the support request for it to be encrypted or decrypted, should I say? So that's our latest one. Um, but there's been many other ones. You know, the fact that we have partner injury and protection available for both our drivers and our riders. Um, our in-app emergency button is also one of the newest products that we rolled out um, this year by actually uh, having a private safety, uh, private security team that responds. Um, so it's in partnership with Aura and they dispatch armed security to the location within minutes of an emergency and help coordinate um, first aid um, support. Um, another one that's really cool is like right checks, you know, that came out about uh, a year and a half ago. And that really allows you to detect unusual stops in the course of a trip. It sends notifications to the driver and rider just to confirm that everything is actually going well. Um, but yes, and then, you know, like the basic like GPS tracking that allows you to share your trip with your family members um, to, and so they, they, they can actually follow your ETA in real time and follow exactly where you are real time, which is really, really cool. Yeah, well, I have a lot of friends who, who send me the ETAs when they're on, on a trip, come whatever, hanging out or something. That's actually a cool feature. So internally, how do you track maybe like, you know, I'm going to know over the years people have complained either online or through other access means. How do you like measure to make sure that, okay, these safety implementations are actually making the impact? Like, how do you measure to make sure that, okay, this is actually working and maybe the reduction of uh, safety or incidents are getting reduced? That's a super good question. It's actually quite technical. I'm just trying to think how I can answer it without like boring people that are listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> but we're a data driven. Um, business, right? 
and, and, and definitely like on every trip there's data collected. Um, on every trip, when there's a report, there is data maintained and monitored. Um, so we're able to assess as you roll out a feature, um, if reports have like increased or lowered or improved. We also do like some interesting things around, um, how would I say this? Um, ensuring typically a couple of things, ensuring um, that you have the drive driver that's always, you have the right driver, right? Um, that's leveraging our face recognition software. Um, it's also, we, we leverage some reinforcement measures to ensure that, you know, the 12 hour driver limit is respected. Um, that speed limits alerts are provided and we monitor dangerous driving behaviors. And you can test this by the data that's collected throughout the trip. So these different elements, these different data points are actually measured and, and followed and analyzed by specific teams that are not in the day-to-day operations. These teams are sitting somewhere in the world and they're focusing on a car typically and say, hey, we rolled out, I don't know, let's talk about, um, you know, when we rolled out the facial recognition, um, how many times has it been, does it fail? Um, like how many, and how many times do you, does it, um, do you get a renewed occasion? And you measure these different elements and you can see if your your features working and in these improving safety in the whole. And we have specific moments where we, we generally you get the results of these analysis and you're able to make um, the right decisions, right? Um, I think the fundamentals and, and the basis on which we build safety and we build tech to respond to our, our, our safety concerns are our community guidelines. Um, we have very strict community guidelines, which acts as a how-to to for both riders and drivers. Um, these guidelines apply to everyone who uses the platform, um, and and it, it 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 really it really drives the elements of controls that you're going to put in to ensure that these community guidelines and principles are respected. Um, and so we're 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 really really proud, um, and it's a genuine and long term commitment that we've taken to tackle some of these safety concerns. And I want to say that safety is for everyone. And this is where, you know, uh, when we talk about women's safety, um, one of the latest things we've done this year typically is to give a choice to women drivers to only provide um, their transport services to a woman rider. Um, So we recognize that, you know, there are times in the day or there's moments where, or areas where you just, you just want to have a, a fellow woman that you're, that you're taking from point A and point B. Um, and we're able to make that available as well. Does, does that also apply to the female riders? Like, can they also request maybe a female driver or is it just for the, right, the Not driver? Not yet. Not yet. It, it really applies for women drivers um, that have that make, that, that have that choice, right? So it's, it's a woman rider preferred. I think, um, there's been cases in, in, in certain countries um, where we had uh, attempted to do like a woman only product. And I think these are subjects mm-hmm. that will come back on the table. Right? We're even looking at, you know, I think in, in the US, we're talking about Uber teens. So mm-hmm. building a product that can transport um, your teens and whatnot. 
Um, so as we go along and as we study the needs of each cities in which we're operating in, um, we will we will definitely be building those right products. Awesome. Okay. So yeah, I think you mentioned the U.S. and how they're building some features there before it gets rolled out to the rest of the world. Um, so I want to talk about you know avenues of innovation when it comes to ride sharing in Ghana. So what are you looking at to maybe potentially exploit when it comes to different features, innovations in Ghana specifically, or maybe in Cote d'Ivoire? Like, are you looking to maybe look at like electric cars? Are you thinking about other ways where you can be basically pushed past the competition? So what other ways are you looking at to innovate with Uber in Ghana or Cote d'Ivoire? <laughs> she want me to open up my secret box. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like the rise of ride hailing fundamentally has altered how we discovered the, the complexities of our, our, of our cities. And I think since our inception, Uber has played a critical role as a collaborative partners to our cities in elevating their mobility options, right? Um, I've just shared with you how we can look at more inclusivity um, as we're thinking about safety and a woman rider preferred um, product. Um, I think there's opportunities to, to render ride hailing across the board. Today, we're only in a few cities. Um, and I think there, there's, there's definitely opportunity to extend footprints, um, to strengthen and develop the different mobility options that are available in those smaller cities, um, closer to the existing um, usage in those, in those cities. Um, we, we're also keen to build more products that are going to fit the needs of businesses. Um, and then definitely, I mean, you saw us launching um, uh, electric bikes in Kenya. Um, mm -hmm. We're seeing and we're hearing the government talking about um, and doing some, some green mobility or urban, yeah, greener um, mobility consultations. So definitely um, the, the question of going greener is going to come at some point. Um, sooner rather than later, um, we will definitely leverage these opportunities. I think where we've shown innovation in a lot of ways is also in 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 the way we're able to to capitalize on you know like smartphone penetration, payment options, and whatnot. And and there's a lot of room to to go further in terms of payment options. Um, I don't know if some of the riders in the craft noticed there's, there's Uber cash and you can actually load up your wallet now and, and use Momo. Um, so there's different things in which different angles, but clearly like safety has been the way that we've clearly differentiated ourselves in this market. Yeah. And set the tone. So I wanted to, yeah. So, yeah. So you've been focusing on safety and also you've been doing some partnership lately that we've seen in Ghana, especially. I know that you recently partner with the Ghana Football League as far as a partnership, you know, taking fans to games and whatnot. So I wanted to ask more about where you're looking to do partnership because, you know, in Ghana, we have our December and Ghana events, you know, lots of people coming down from diaspora. So are you looking to partner with more, I guess, more tourist establishments to basically try to partner with them to help with the tourism activities in Ghana? Definitely. I think, um, and every year, you know, maybe we don't make a lot of noise about it, but we support, you know, a lot of the events that are happening in December um, and to support the, the diaspora as they're thinking of, like, as their home. Um, but we're keen to establish partnerships with cities to bring more 
uh, powerful economic benefits. Um, I'll give you some examples, some of the things that we don't, like not necessarily in Ghana, but it kind of gives you a sense of where we may go here. Um, we've mm-hmm. recently launched a big partnership with Air Côte d'Ivoire, which is the main airline um, in Ivory Coast, but mm-hmm. it covers also um, riders that are, that are coming into the city from different parts of the region, even from Accra, from Lagos, from, from, from Johannesburg, um, from Kinshasa, from, from Dakar. Um, we've like we've partnered up in Ghana with Access Bank um, to drive card usage on the platform, and there's going to be some very interesting things happening on the driver side with that partnership as well, so to be followed. Um, and then you know, like as we're speaking right now, you know, we're we're launching a big partnership with Enterprise, um, where we're looking at 360 insurance products for our drivers. Uh, we believe that you know drivers should be thinking about. Um, health insurance, they should be thinking about life insurance, they should be thinking about um, pensions, they should be thinking about, you know, long-term savings. And this is why we're making these things available to them. So when we think about partnerships, yes, we're thinking about, yes, um, um, partnering up with the the tourism industry on one end, but we're also um, trying to bring more values to our riders. And more importantly, we want to take care of our drivers. Awesome. Okay, so I wanted to now shift um, focus more on basically the regulatory environment. I know you've been sometimes working with the government, especially to make sure that you're in the right, um, basically right lane. Um, I wanted to ask about how the relationship with the local government entities is like when it comes to regulation. Like, what's your basically? Are you guys talking most of the time about you know being making sure that you're in the right field? Because there's been some, you know, I guess I can say disturbances when it comes to drivers asking for more compensation, things like that. So how are you basically interacting with the local entities and the local players in the field to make sure that you're giving the right benefits or just on the right um, path? Very great question. Um, so first of all, I mean, Uber is super, super, super supportive of regulation and we remain committed to working with all stakeholders to find ways for earners to easily obtain economic opportunities while providing enhanced uh, mobility for riders. And we've done that since the first day in the market. Uh, we're pro-regulation. We, we engage regularly with the regulators to shape the progressive framework of our industry. Um, unfortunately, like you know, like most countries, the transport acts were done before the proliferation of, of smartphones and, and e-hailing. And so that requires a lot of uh, best practice sharing and, and helping regulators shaping the future of the regulation in the markets, both from um, industry perspective, but also from a, a broader gig economy perspective. And as we're thinking and as we're looking how... Um, the the sector has developed so you know you just saw the launch of the smart driver licensing um that's going to be rolled out by march 2024 um we're seeing in the last couple of years the interconnection of systems um with the Ghana cards strengthening the identification processes for both drivers but also their vehicles and we've leveraged that you know by requiring like the Ghana card as a as a as a requirement document to onboard onto Uber and and perhaps even further, right? So I think it just shows to you that we are walking like with them, with the regulator. Um, we're helping shaping the future of the framework, and we're also trying to um, to 
leverage digitization as much as possible to ease up the processes, right? Um, from from an onboarding perspective, but also from a control perspective, when you think of you know the the, the needs a government may need to control or to see what's happening from a right healing perspective. I think if we want to go further than that, you know, and as I mentioned earlier about our partnership um, with Enterprise, it's also our yeah. our way for us to pave the way and say, hey, you know, there are opportunities to to to, to build some things in the independent contractor world. And a good example is what Ivory Coast has been doing in that um, for the last three years, the social benefit um, uh, um, department of state has launched an independent social benefit program, allowing for an independent contractor or an informal worker to actually get access to social benefits. And they've been able to enroll drivers within the Uber base from day one. So it's just to show you from an intention perspective that we're able to A, execute and help government rule out their programs and B, um, shape and provide ideas of where um, the, the, the policies should go. I think, when even, you know, today when we're, we're, we're looking at green mobility and, you know, the transport ministry is doing some consultations, um, at some point there's going to be some, some consultation with the ride-hailing um, industry um, so that we can also provide some of the best practices and some of the learnings that we're getting in, in other countries where we're, we're leading um, in green mobility. I can think about, you know, some of the uh, European countries where, um, we're, we're pushing very hard in the UAE, where we're pushing very, very hard. And, and just recently in Kenya, uh, where we've launched like, you know, green bikes and whatnot, and really part of the conversation around green mobility. Um, and I believe that here in Ghana, the same story is going to happen. We will be part of these conversations. We will help fill and, and, and build a future of transport um, at the regulatory level as well in Ghana or in Ivory Coast for that matter. I think you also mentioned the term independent contractors. Um, I wanted to ask, I don't know if you can answer this question, but, you know, in the U.S., there's been a lot of, you know, pushback from drivers who want to basically not be seen as contractors and more as employees. Uh, is there any fear or is Uber looking at maybe some African countries when it comes to drivers maybe not being independent contractors, being looked more as employers because the public also looks at them as drivers are working for Uber when they're more driving for themselves, but using Uber as a platform. So do you, as Uber looking at, you know, parts of Africa saying that um, there potentially could be that push for Uber contractors to become employees? The reality that in our markets, drivers drive for multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. um, they're not, you know, they're not um, exclusive to any platforms. Um, and the shape of our regulations is, is completely different. Um, so I think today, and, and this is what I was referring to, I think our, our, our commitment is to help shape the future of our markets and from a regulatory perspective, um, knowing that like we're in a completely different um, social and economical environment in Africa. 
Okay, so I think beforehand in the conversation, we mentioned about, you know, female riders or female drivers being able to have options where they can pick female riders. So I want to talk more about other groups as far as maybe even, especially persons with disabilities. Um, on the app, there's well, maybe I haven't seen it, but maybe is there any, I guess, accessibility features for people in Ghana? For instance, maybe I have an uncle who may have a wheelchair and want to, you know, get him in an Uber, but the option is not available for Uber cars, which have wheelchairs, things like that. Is Uber working on any sort of accessibility features in the future now or in the future? So we strive to continuously expand the options available to people with disabilities, and we're committed to providing inclusive products that meet our users' needs. Uber Assist is available in server markets in SSA and was created to ensure that riders with disabilities can get um, to where they need to go without difficulty. Um, at the time being today, th that product is not available yet in Ghana, but we're con continuously working closely with various stakeholders to improve our offering um, and to see how we can um, support um, the needs of people with disabilities in all of our markets where we're operating. Okay, so basically we, there could be possibly that we may see some of these features rolled out over time because it's, a, it's in, as you said, it's in South Africa, but not yet in other regions. Yeah, it's not yet rolled out in, in West Africa, but it's definitely something I've had multiple discussions actually in Ivory Coast on these, uh, on these subjects. Um, and I think this, those, are, those opportunities are still being assessed. So I just want to, just about wrapping up, but I want to talk about Uber in the future. So now I think when Uber launched in, I think, 2017 in Ghana, I think, unless I'm wrong. Um, basically you were 2016, <laughs> thank you very much for the correction. Yeah, I think you were kind of one of the only, not say only, but you were one of the most looked at brands to launch in Ghana. But now we're fast forward 2023 and we have lots of other options, whether it's Bolt, Yango, other competitors. So I want to look up, look at Uber as far as the future. Like, what is your current roadmap as far as you know trying to push and be a little far ahead of your competitors when it comes to maybe pricing or maybe other features that your competitors don't have? <laughs> you come back with this, right? No, I'm to be honest, oh, uh, you won't get anything out of me. What I will tell you is that we will always lead through safety. Um, I think safety is what really differentiates us in the market. Um, I think we will lead, we will continue leading through innovation, creating the right products um, and right products meet right pricing, right positioning. Um, this is how you saw Uber X share also being bored in Ghana, right? Um, mm -hmm. And we will continue uh, to not only build new products from an innovation perspective, but even from a segmentation perspective, ensuring that we cover all segments and we go further in our offering. Um, and that means creating even greater, more opportunities, economic opportunities in the market. So I'll stop there. Um, <laughs> I know I didn't give you much, but I also, I know I also give you lots. <laughs> yes, that, that's, very, that's very true. Okay. Uh, so yeah, just to wrap up, um, just talk about you for a second. So, okay, you've been, with Uber since 2019. So I guess what, what what's next for you? Like, are you looking at maybe being part of more Uber? I think you're part of some groups in Uber. I think you are part of an Uber for women, if I'm correct. 
Yes, I went. I, I lead. Sorry, the women at Uber community um, for for SSA. I also lead the women driver um, strategic leadership for Middle East and Africa um, as a side gig. And yes, I'll wait for your question. Okay, so I just wanted to ask, but so what's for you? What's the current challenges working or basically managing two countries, Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana? What are your current challenges at the moment? Well, as I mentioned earlier, right, it's now three countries. Um, I think as an individual, um, it's, it's, it's amazing to, to have this opportunity um, to share and, and to learn across now three markets. Um, each market has their, their singularities. Um, I suppose if I had to identify one challenge would be to have the same energy across all countries at any given moment. Um, and and it's, um, it's a really cool and intellectual exercise, to be honest. It's, uh, <laughs> it's probably one of the, mess, the best uh, muscle workouts that I could get, right? Is you flip from one discussion, one way and you're talking about Ghana and then you move on to another call, you're talking about Ivory Coast and you move on to talking about Pakistan and you go back again. And then sometimes you talk about all three at the same time. So it's <laughs> it's quite an intellectual exercise. And, you know, and that's why I talk about the best like muscle, like workout that you can think of. Um, and to be able to do that consistently on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's, uh, it's a really, um, exciting time in my life right now, um, where I'm able to spread my wings and, and share and grow across those markets. Awesome. Oh uh, yeah. So I think on that, we can definitely wrap up. So thank you, Marjorie. Appreciate your time. Thank you.